You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Why don't you turn to the person beside you or someone around you and tell them the title of my sermon this morning, Stay Single. Stay Single. It's just, it's just a title, okay? The parents here in the front are like, what? <laughs> this morning, we are continuing our new sermon series called Taboo, of course, where we seek to uh, discuss certain topics that are not often talked about in the church. Again, our, our hope in this series is to set for ourselves a biblical foundation on these topics and even redeem some of them from the world. Because as mentioned last week, when the church stays silent on these matters, the world fills that void of truth with lies and deception. So our goal in this series is to proclaim biblical truth and illuminate these topics in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, before we get into it, today, of course, being February 12th, there is a special holiday coming up on Monday, February 14th, that I'm sure most of you will be celebrating this year. So I just want to take the time to greet everybody. Actually, in fact, why don't you help me turn to the person beside you again and, and say, Happy Singles Awareness Day. That's right. It's that time of the year where single people get to save their money instead of buying flowers and a gift for someone else. Amen. But with Singles Awareness Day coming up, or, or rather Valentine's Day, I, I thought it would be an appropriate time to talk about singleness. As you know, churches talk a lot about godly relationships and marriage and how to be a godly man or how, how to be a godly woman for your spouse or your partner. But I find that churches rarely speak on singleness, which I believe is unfortunate because singleness is highly spoken about throughout Scripture, as we'll see in just a moment in the Gospel of Matthew. Even Jesus himself regards singleness as a high calling from God. But what's happened in the church is, is that marriage has been elevated as, as if that's the goal, that's the mission, that's the call for every single believer, as in every believer that's single to find a partner, get married, raise godly children. And, and no doubt that is a good call, a good, something good to pursue, but it's not the only call for those who are single. And what ends up happening is that churches set an expectation for all single Christians to strive towards, even though God in His Word has designed that season of singleness for a specific purpose. And instead of following that purpose, what we see instead is you have Christians rushing into relationships or becoming discouraged because they haven't met or that, that expectation or they haven't found that person that they're supposed to be with, that godly partner that we keep talking about. And from my experience and even from what some of you have mentioned to me, churches have this culture of giving really bad advice to single people. Uh, maybe you've heard this, maybe, uh, single guys, maybe you've heard this. Uh, he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. So you better start looking, men. Who's heard that before? First of all, like, why are you speaking, you know, in the King James, right? It's 2022. <laughs> second, of, second of all, this verse in Proverbs is not a green light for guys to start hunting down women to find their wife, right? No wonder, you know, some of the guys out here have their eyes wide open, right? They're looking for the Lord, hopefully. 
Listen, that, that verse is a reminder to husbands that your wife is a good thing from the Lord, a gift from God. It's not permission to start looking for a wife. Now, on the flip side of this, ladies, maybe you've heard this before, right? Men are called to findeth a wife. So ladies, stop behaving like a girlfriend and behave like a wife. No one laughed about that. As if, the only, as, as if the only goal in your singleness is to prepare yourself to be a wife for a man to find you. Listen, that's some horrible advice. Half the time, guys are just trying to find food, much less a wife. Or how about this, ladies? Just be patient. Your Boaz will come. <laughs> who? Like, I don't know who, like, who's named Boaz in 2022, right? Now, there are plenty more bad advice coming out from churches. Even, even simply saying, don't worry, God has someone out there for you. Well, what if God doesn't? What if his plan for someone is not the same as so-and-so who's married or who's in a relationship? And what, and what we end up doing is just elevating marriage as the goal, as the priority, as the, an expectation for single people that may not even be what God has willed or planned for them. And so when churches focus solely on godly relationships and marriage and give bad advice to single people, a standard that, that is not entirely biblical and, and more rooted in cultural or worldly expectations gets cultivated in believers in the church. And more often than not, I, I've seen single people become discouraged or, or begin to even take their cues from the world on this topic of singleness. Because, for example, if you're not ready for marriage and the church is always pushing for marriage, well, well how about you then? So then what's, what's the world have to say about your singleness, your season of singleness? And we know what the world's view on, on this topic is. You know, singleness is about finding yourself, having fun, living your best life. Because once you get married, it's all downhill from there, right? Or, or, or singleness is about building your portfolio or finishing your education, amassing wealth, living promiscuously, or, or dating until you find the one. And so what you end up seeing is many Christians living or thinking the, 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 like the world while they're single, instead of living out God's purposes for their singleness. Church, we need to correct that. Right? We, we need to redeem the purpose of singleness from both the world and, unfortunately, from the church as well. And so this morning, I want to look at the biblical purpose for singleness, the call that God places on those who are not married yet. Because as believers, we need to approach or see singleness in light of Scripture if we truly want to encourage those who are in this season of life and for those who are single. You know who you are. No one wants to make eye contact with me. That's fine. But my hope is that this message gives you focus, that, that, that it redirects your attention to what God truly wants to do in your life as you navigate this season of life. So, so that regardless of how long or how short the season might be, you would stay on track with God's purposes and plans for you in this season. So let's get into our passage. Hopefully everyone's excited for this message. Someone say jump for me. Now right at the beginning, the Apostle Paul wants to establish something very important to our perspective on singleness. At the top of our passage, he says, now as a concession, a concession meaning something that uh, akin to a, a preference or permission, the original Greek actually translates better to something to be aware of or even consider of. 
or a call to mutual uh, opinion about. Meaning, what Paul is about to talk about is something for us to consider, not a, not a command to follow, as he says in the next part. Now, as a concession, not a, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. What's Paul talking about? Well, he's talking about singleness. Historically speaking, Paul was single all throughout his ministry for the church, for Christ. Some, some scholars even believe that Paul was, in fact, a, a widower himself, hence why he talks a lot about widows remaining unmarried, because he could, he could therefore relate to those in that boat. Regardless, regardless of that, the, the thing that Paul wants his readers to be aware of or, or even consider is to remain single like him. Everyone say, stay single. But then he says something important for our perspective. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Very simply, Paul is recognizing that not everyone is called to singleness as he is, but, but that everyone has their own gift from God, whether it's singleness or marriage. And, and, and what I want us to extract from the statement is that singleness is a gift from God, just as much as marriage is a gift from God. According to Paul, neither marriage or singleness is greater than the other. They are both gifts from the Lord. And so, because singleness is a gift from God, we mustn't take it for granted, nor seek to quickly be relieved of it. The reason why many single Christians get frustrated or restless in their season of singleness is because they, they miss that point. They, they don't uh, see singleness as a gift. They want to move on to the next gift, the, 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 the gift of marriage. They, they, they want to enjoy being with someone, and they miss out on the purposes and God's plan for them in that season of singleness. And again, unfortunately, churches have failed to view singleness as a gift as well, because if they did, they wouldn't try to rush people into getting married or only talk as if marriage was the only gift or the highest priority. Listen, everybody, right? Not just single people, married people as well, everyone in the church, right? Singleness, just like marriage, is a gift from God and should be regarded as such. In fact, Jesus himself describes it as a call, something that God calls individuals to. Look at Matthew chapter 19. Verse 10, he says, The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. Again, talking about this gift being given, the singleness gift, right? Verse 12, For there are eunuchs who have been sold from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. So in ancient times, eunuchs were those who had been specifically set apart to serve royalty. They were, the, the way they were set apart was by having their reproductive organs removed as a sign of their commitment to who they were serving. And Jesus points out that some were born that way, some were made that way, yet others still chose to be that way for the kingdom of God. And Jesus commends those who, are, who, who received that call. Now, Scripture makes parallels between eunuchs and those who are single because those who are single in the Lord have a similar, similar responsibility as eunuchs who serve royalty. Paul, for example, although not an actual eunuch, was set apart for the gospel and the kingdom work. It was a call on his life, the gift that he received from God. And this wasn't just for a season, mind you. It was a lifetime call, something that Paul stuck to until his martyrdom. 
Paul was single the rest of his life. Now, if you're single, you're, you're probably thinking, Pastor Ian, does that mean I'm, I'm going to be single the rest of my life too? Like, Paul, am I supposed to be a eunuch? Well, the correct answer to that is possibly. Not the eunuch part, but the singleness part. Whatever the Lord wills for your life, that's the correct answer. But our passage does, does give us a good indicator for whether or not your singleness is a lifetime commitment or just for a season. Look at verse 8. Paul says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now, before we get into this, just to be clear, this is not a verse for Christians who are dating and can't keep their hands off each other to, to, to remind them, hey, or push them to get married sooner. That's not what this verse is saying, just to be clear, right? I'm not being prophetic here, right? Not like someone's out there, Pastor Ian is giving me a sign to get married sooner? No, this is, that's, this is not what I'm saying, and this is not what this verse means. Paul is simply indicating whether someone is called to a lifetime or single, of singleness or just for a season. And that indicator is self-control. The idea of, of having your sexual desires or your attraction towards the opposite gender under control. Because Paul recognizes that someone can't truly be devoted to God in their singleness if they are dominated by their desires of the flesh. So, so unless you are like Paul and you have been empowered by the Spirit to keep your flesh under control, then it's a good sign that your singleness might just be for a season rather than a lifetime. So Paul's main passage to believers is to, is to if you are able, if you, are, if you have been given that gift, stay single. And what follows is Paul's reasoning for that suggestion. Let's, let's go back to verse 25 now. We're skipping a bunch of advice here for uh, people who are in relationships because, again, we talk a lot about that already. Verse 25. Now, concerning the betrothed, the Greek word here for, uh, for betrothed is parthenos, better translated as maiden or a virgin, someone who has yet to marry. He says, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Again, this is not a command, but a wise counsel or a wise suggestion from one of the fathers of the faith who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this down, of course. He says in verse 26, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do, if you do marry, you have not sinned. But if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Paul is getting to the heart of why he's suggesting to stay single as he is. He mentions a present distress. Though historically speaking, it's not, it's not very clear as to what Paul was referring to. It's prob probably the, the growing persecution of the church uh, during his days. But the sentiment is clear. The world is getting worse and has become difficult to live in but even more so for those who are married. And so, uh, as, and so as a loving church father, Paul wants, uh, wants to, as he says, spare Christians who are not married from that difficulty. Paul is just being practical here, right? It's hard enough having to deal with persecution on your own. How much more when you have a spouse, a partner to take care of? 
or even kids of your own under your care. For those who are parents or, or grandparents in this room this, this morning, you know this to be true. After last week's uh, sermon on, on gender and sexual identity, I, I was having some discussions with a few parents afterwards, and, and the worry of, of having to raise children and grandchildren in this very corrupt generation. I mean, as a father myself and, a, and as a minister of the word, I often worry for my own kids, right? If ever the government says, hey, you can't preach this anymore or you're going to have to go to prison. That's a, a concern that parents or believers will have to have. Now, all of that to say, Paul's sentiments about staying single and his observation about this present distress is still relevant and still practical for our day. And then he goes on to further explain, verse 29. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had not, no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. Paul says the world is falling apart and time is short. Therefore, he calls all believers, whether single or married, to focus all their attention and energy towards the kingdom of God, towards the propagation of the gospel. That's what he means when he, when he says, let those who have wives live as though they had none. That's not what it means if, if you're thinking the opposite of that. And those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as if they were not rejoicing. The call is to, to focus in, to get your emotions in control, strive for the kingdom because the time is short and the days are grim. And speaking specifically to those who are betrothed or, or single, he reminds believers the benefits of singleness and even more so what God has designed singleness for. He says in verse 32, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. The word for please here in the Greek is aresko. It denotes a service to someone, attending to the needs of someone in order to please them. So now this gives us this, the, the first purpose for singleness according to Paul. Paul is saying that your season for singleness is meant to be a season for service. A season for service. The unmarried or the single Christian is meant to be anxious or care about the things of the Lord. How to please, how to serve the Lord. Now, Paul contrasts that, of course, with the concerns of married believers. He says, but the married man, verse 33, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. Paul is saying the concern for the concerns of a married brother is primarily how to serve his wife, just as Christ sacrificially served his bride, the church. Now, please understand, Paul isn't saying that this is a bad thing. He's not saying that at all. Remember, from the very beginning of this passage, he's saying that both singleness and marriage is a gift from God. So he's not saying this is a bad thing. So he's, he's not calling out husbands for having their interests divided. Please understand that. He's simply stating a fact. And that's the reality, as I'm sure husbands here know, right? Uh, for me, myself, my ministry in this world, my first ministry in this world is not to this church, not even to my kids, it's to my wife. And as a result, there are times where, where my interest in serving the church and serving my wife may conflict, and I have to choose wisely, or else I'll sleep on the couch, right? So what Paul is suggesting is that for those who are single, 
This season or this call to singleness is an opportunity for you to serve God without distraction, without divided interest, with all your energy, with all your strength, with all your heart and mind. Notice the difference between this purpose of serving God and the purpose that the world would say that single people have. The world would have you think that your singleness is to serve who? Yourself. Your ambitions, your goals, your purposes, your wallet, your ego, your sense of fulfillment, your sense of enjoyment, even to serve your own flesh. But as Christians, that's not what your singleness is for. And if you go down that road, you'll experience what many single people in the world experience, which is emptiness. No real lasting joy or fulfillment, and that's because God made you to serve Him. To find your joy, your delight in serving your Creator. Paul in his singleness says to the church of Philippi, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon your, the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Paul in his singleness found joy in pouring out his very life in service of Christ and his bride. And in your singleness, you are called to do the same. So while you can, while you are unencumbered by the worries of this world, Go and, and preach the gospel, make disciples, sign up to travel the world for missions, use your time, your talents and treasures to serve God with all your might, with all your heart, and with all your mind, your strength. Make yourself available to serve God in your singleness. If you haven't already, right, see where you can be used in, in our church, right, where you can, where you can serve. Listen, the, the, the church needs your passion, your, your energy, your, your commitment to the kingdom. If, if, if you recall, Plus Life was established by a handful of single Christians just wanting to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, we were just a bunch of single Bible nerds living in our parents' basement, right, or worshiping in our parents' basement, and look where we are today. Plus life is an example and evidence of what God can do with unmarried individuals who commit themselves to the service of God. And as Paul said, the days are short, so your time, your ta- so use your time, your talents and your treasures wisely to make a difference, to make an impact for God's kingdom and his gospel. Singleness is a season for service. So let's go back to our passage now. Paul continues from where we left off. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Paul points out the second reason for, uh, for seasons of singleness. It is a season for sanctification. A season for sanctification. He says that singles, that single wo- he says the single woman's concern is on how to be holy, both in body and in mind. This is a call to purity and the process of sanctification. God uses our season of singleness to produce in us holiness, to sanctify us, to set us apart and shape us into the man or the woman that he created us to be. Now, this isn't to say that God doesn't sanctify us in marriage. He, he does. He just does so differently. And I'm sure married people here can attest to that, right? In, in our season of marriage, God sanctifies us through our, our, our interactions with our spouse, our partner. But generally speaking, as believers, our entire life is a, one big process of sanctification. 
God taking us from glory to glory. God making us holy as he is holy. It's God chiseling out all the things that are not pleasing to him. And listen, if you, if, if you are single, in your singleness, there is a unique, a unique and specific way in which God sanctifies you. A process that you can only experience primarily in your single life. And listen, that process that he is using to sanctify you is through your loneliness. Listen to that. Real talks for a minute, right? It sucks being single. I've been there, right? I'm sure everyone's been there. And I know I've said that it was a gift initially, and that's the right perspective to have, the biblical perspective to have. But when you're in it, when your heart is longing for deep human connection, when, when, you're, when you desire to love and be loved by someone, when you're having to fight bouts of loneliness and isolation and feeling like you'll never find someone, it's hard to see singleness as a gift. And so before we move on, I I want you to know that God knows what you are feeling, that God knows the longings of your heart for a deep human connection. Remember, he is the God who from the very creation of humanity said, it is not good for man to be alone. He put that desire in us. God made us in his image. And part of what that means is that we have the capacity and desire for for loving relationships just as God does in the persons of the Trinity. So understand that God God knows and he cares. Not only does he care, but he can sympathize with how you are feeling. Remember what Jesus cried cried out on the cross? Father, why have you forsaken me? This is the cry of the loneliest man to have ever lived. The Son of God, who at that time had the Father's back towards him. That's true loneliness. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So understand, our Savior understands and He cares. Now with that said, I want you to see that singleness is in fact a gift, a gift in which God uses to sanctify us in our flesh. See, there is great temptation for Christians who are single to give in to the flesh to be distracted by the flesh. Not necessarily just by sexual sin, although that is part of it, but there is a temptation to fill that void of loneliness with something else. Maybe it's food, maybe it's entertainment, maybe it's money, maybe it's work, maybe it's even your education. There is great temptation to fill the void of loneliness with temporary measures that leave us even more empty. In addition to that, there is a lie that is often told that, that marriage or relationships will solve everything, that it's the solution. That once you're in a relationship, your, your battles with lust will go away and your loneliness will, will go out the window. That is a lie. That is untrue. You have to understand that, that relationships and marriage is not the answer. And if you have that perspective, you are making an idol of marriage. If you have that mentality, you will be greatly disappointed once you find a partner because you're putting a heavy weight of expectations on your relationship that it was never meant to fulfill. Listen, marriage is not the mission. Holiness is. Holiness is. 1 Peter 1, 
Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. In your holiness, in your, sorry, in your loneliness, God wants to produce holiness. A state where you would desire him the most, where your relationship with him is what you lean on, even when you, are, when you feel alone, when, when it's just you. God uses our feelings of loneliness as a way to cultivate dependency in him, on him, it, it, to bring us to a place where we can say that his grace is sufficient for us. Even if I'm not in a relationship, even if it's just me and him, for the rest of my life, Christ is enough. That's what... That's the sentiment that God wants to produce in you through your loneliness. So listen, if, if you have yet to be satisfied in, in your relationship with God, with the love that is greater than any other you can ever experience in this life, then understand it's a good sign that God is still sanctifying you for himself. God is still working on you, and that's a good thing. Sanctification is a painful thing. I know it hurts. But as we know, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Listen, I've said this before God's not after your comfort, He's after your character. See, at the end of the day, whether God blesses you with a relationship or not, he wants to ensure that your relationship with him is enough, that it is secured. That even if he brought the most perfect man into your life, or the most wifey material to your, wife, to your life, as the kids say, that you would not replace your devotion for him with a devotion for another. Paul says this, look in verse 35, he says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. See, this, this season of singleness is a season for security. Security. It's a season meant to secure your, you in your relationship with God so that at the end of the day, above all else, God will remain your first and greatest love. It's a season in which God secures our identity in Him because understand what happens if our identity is not secured in Him. And I'm sure you've seen this before or have experienced this yourself. People rush into relationships and that relationship becomes their identity or their partner begins to define their identity until they no longer know who they are or they become something that they've never wanted to be in the first place. God wants to secure our identity, your identity in Him as a people who, who have undivided devotion towards him. I love the imagery that, that Paul invokes in this last verse. For devotion, he uses the word euprosidros. Uh, euprosidros, simply meaning to sit near. To sit near. It paints the picture of, of an attendant who never leaves his master's side. That's what God wants from us. That's the kind of relation, the, the relationship, the devotion that he wants 
From all of us, whether you're single or married or somewhere in between, by his grace, by his will, he wants us to ensure that we are secured by his side. Secured in our identity in Christ. Secured in our devotion to him. And what better season to cultivate that than in the season in which we have no one else to turn to for intimacy. Where we, ha- we only have God to define our identity. God desires to secure our hearts for him while we are still single. So brothers and sisters, Paul's concession remains true. Stay single. Because it's a, a season for service. An opportunity to give your all to him and his kingdom. To give all your time, your, your talents, your treasures for the glory of his son. Stay single because it's a season for sanctification. God refining us through the trials, through the trial of loneliness, making us dependent and reliant on him. Stay single because it's a season for security. God desires to secure your identity, your devotion to him while you still can. Just how marriage is a gift, singleness is as well. A gift to be cherished and enjoyed while you are still in it. So the invitation is clear. If you are single, or even if you're married, really, serve God. Choose to serve God in this season. Pursue sanctification. See where God is leading. See what God is refining in you through this season of life. And submit to it. Receive it. Endure it. Lastly, secure your identity in Him. Secure your devotion in Him. The days are short. And the world is growing evil and grim. Recall to mind your first love. Recall to mind how Christ must be your greatest love in this life. And for those who are struggling with loneliness, remember Jesus Christ was forsaken so that you could be accepted by the Father. Remember that Jesus Christ was be, became an outcast so that you would never be abandoned. So that the Father would be by your side always. Remember that Christ received the wrath of God so that we might receive the greatest love that we could ever experience in this life. A love that, can ne- that, that we can never be separated from. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whether you are single or whether you are married, let that love be your priority. 
Let's pray. Oh, gracious God and Heavenly Father, God, we are reminded this morning of the need to put you first in our lives. Whether we are in a season of singleness or whether we are married or anything else in between, God, we, we are reminded, oh God, that you must be our first and greatest love. That God, in our seasons, that you, you have called us to serve you with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our strength. That in, in our seasons, Lord God, you, you, you call us to be sanctified by you, to, to be made holy and pure as a bride. And God, we know that you desire to secure us, our identity, our hearts, our devotion in you. At this time, God, I just want to ask for forgiveness, so Lord, for the times where we find our purpose, where our devotions are divided towards things of this world, things for ourselves, where, God, we care more about ourselves than the things of your kingdom. I pray, God, that you set our hearts right with you, that you would fill us with your spirit, that we might walk in step with you, we might walk in the purposes and the plans that you have for us, regardless of what season we are in. That, God, we might see the season that we are in as a gift from you, something to cherish, something to value and not disregard and quickly throw out to move on to the next season. I pray, oh God, for those who are struggling with loneliness. Those who are desiring to love and be loved. God, I pray in this sacred moment that you would just comfort them by your spirit. That you would grant them your peace, that you would remind them of your great love that we just read about. And I pray, oh God, that by your spirit you would strengthen them, that you would help them endure, that you would help them stand, that you'd help them walk in the power of your spirit for your glory and your kingdom. That until, oh God, you so, so deem them ready or, or, or you, you so desire for them to be in a relationship or whatever else your will is for them, that God, they might walk and run and strive for your kingdom. That they might use all their time and their talents and their treasure, their energy, all their mind, their heart and their strength for your glory. For the time is short. And the days are growing grim. And people need to hear the gospel to receive the hope that we have received. The hope of Jesus Christ. And I pray, oh God, for the hearts that have strayed, who have lost their first love, 
who have not found their first love in you, I pray, oh God, that you bring them home this day. That God, they would be reconciled unto you, oh Lord. Holy Spirit, move amongst your people. Please do not leave us the same. We pray these things in Jesus' in mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.